The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. In a few moments, Facebook's oversight board is set to announce a ruling on whether to lift former President Trump's suspension. We'll get that to you as soon as it can. Uh, in the meantime, good Wednesday morning. Uh, welcome to Squawk in the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures do have a bid a day after the Dow claws back from a 340-point deficit. Our roadmap begins with the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen clarifying Tuesday's comments about potential rate hikes. Plus, well, technology shares, of course, they are rebounding a bit after yesterday's sell-off. Apple, Tesla, Microsoft, and a number of other big names are moving higher ahead of the open. And the wake of, uh, in the wake of its Archegos Capital losses, we're going to speak to the CEO of UBS. It's his first U.S. interview since taking the helm of that giant wealth Great manager. Great Biggest wealth manager in the world. Carl. David, uh, decisions out. Uh, Facebook, the oversight board at Facebook has decided to uphold uh, the former president's suspension from Facebook. That's the only headline we have at the moment, guys. Uh, Jim, I will say there was a general consensus that this decision, that that suspension was going to be lifted. I thought it would be. Uh, I I thought that there was a kind of a groundswell. He's not on Twitter, banned forever. But that Facebook had that panel of people who are, uh, I think, we're looking for due process. And due process probably would have them back as opposed to just an edict. David, I I have to tell you, I I think this is um, kind of shocking. Uh, I think it is, as as Carl termed it as well, something of a surprise. I think there had been an expectation, as you just said, that, that he would be reinstated in some form, perhaps with certain and more stringent regulation around the behavior on the platform. Right. Uh, you know, no inciting. Come in for with for some criticism because it wasn't truly an independent board, so to speak, right. given they were actually funding it and paying. But, uh, well, the headline speaks for itself there. It's big. It's big. You know, Carl, when Twitter, I'm just uh, looking Twitter through, did it. I I'm, thought the I'm, Twitter numbers would come down, but they they really didn't. Yep. Uh, here's the decision, guys. Just uh, looking for some easy quotes. Uh, the board found that. In maintaining an unfounded narrative of electoral fraud and persistent calls to action, Mr. Trump created an environment where a serious risk of violence was possible. Mm-hmm. At the time of his post, there was a clear, immediate risk of harm, and his words of support for those involved in the riots legitimized their actions. Um, as president, had a high level of influence. Obviously, they talk about the number of uh, followers he had. It was not appropriate, they say, for Facebook to impose an indefinite suspension. It's not permissible for Facebook to keep a user off the platform for an undefined period. Um, They go on to say that Facebook did not follow a clear published procedure, Jim. And that is one of the takeaways from this is that, as the journal said today, they have an inept way of policing their content. Well, I mean, look, this is a a, this is kind of a clear and present danger uh, test. Uh, the First Amendment, where you press the First Amendment to a certain extent that the Supreme Court has said, look, you cannot foment, you cannot create a situation 
where uh, there's going to be danger. This is what they're talking about, David. The former president of the United States did not pass the clear and present danger test. Uh, Apparently not. Uh, And, uh, Carl, I know Julia Borson has a lot more for us on this. And uh, I assume we want to get to her as quickly as we can. Let's do it. And we'll talk. Yeah, David, I think. Talk to some members of the board later on today. Good morning, Julia. Yeah, I think. Good morning, Carl. What's going to be really interesting here is what the implications are for how Facebook handles political leaders in the future. One of the key questions that the Oversight Board was evaluating was whether there are any recommendations from the board about suspensions when the user is a political leader. This, of course, does set the precedent that it is possible um, to suspend a political leader. And it says that that Facebook made a mistake in not permanently suspending the president at the, at the outset of this, saying it was inappropriate for Facebook to impose the indeterminate and standardless penalty of indefinite suspension. Normal penalties include removing the content and permanently disabling the page. They also say the board made policy recommendations for Facebook to implement in developing clear, necessary, and proportionate policies that pr- promote public safety and respect freedom of expression. So this is going to have implications for how Facebook handles other political leaders going forward. And in this ruling here, guys, they go through the timeline of what happened um, around those riots on January 6th. They say they go through a sort of a tick, a TikTok of what happened throughout the day. And they say that the January 6th postings severely violated the community standards on both Facebook and Instagram and that they prohibit, they, they violated the rules prohibiting praise or support of people engaged in violence. So going forward, it says that they will not just be doing these temporary suspensions. They're going to have to have a firm ruling and firm rules to um, address these types of things. So indefinite suspensions are not going to be allowed going forward, guys. I'm going to continue to dig through here. Yeah, it's actually quite a a lengthy uh, decision statement here, Julia. It does seem like obviously the headline is about the president's uh, presence on, on Facebook, which will obviously not happen. But the second headline is definitely going to be the board essentially telling the company you guys need to get um, your stuff together in terms of how you decide who stays and who goes. Yes. So it, they, they say here it is Facebook's role to create necessary and proportionate penalties that respond to severe violations. The board's role is to ensure that Facebook rules and processes are consistent with its content policies, its values and its human rights commitments. They criticize Facebook for applying a vague standardless penalty and then referring the case to the board to resolve saying Facebook seeks to avoid its responsibility. So that is harsh criticism of Facebook from an organization that is funded by Facebook. And they say the board declines Facebook's request and insists that Facebook apply and justify a defined penalty. So putting some of that responsibility back on Facebook. I am expecting to get a comment from Facebook on this decision any moment now. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Facebook responds not only to the to the to the decision to, to continue the ban on the president, on President Trump, but also the criticism of how they handled this and pushed some of those questions over to the board rather than resolving them themselves. Julia, we'll be checking in with you all morning. That's our Julia Borston. If you're just uh, joining us, uh, Facebook has decided, the Oversight Board has decided to uphold the president's suspension from the platform. Jim, uh, implications for engagement, metrics, the stock? Well, look, I, I think that the stock itself has just been a juggernaut because the numbers are so great. The consumer product companies really like 
Facebook. And I think, David, they will like it even more after this decision. Even more. You think? Even more. They don't want controversy. They want people who come and post pictures of dogs. Well, let's not forget Instagram, of course, is really in many it's, ways it's the more important platform at this point. And Instagram's a friendly place. Yeah. I mean, I was trashing Wall Street bets yesterday because I think that they're foolish and just saying only things about GME. I mean, there's other stocks. There's like 499 in the yeah. S&P itself. Yes. Right? Aren't there 500 stocks in the S&P 500? There may be right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that absolutely the consumer product companies don't want to see is somebody inciting a riot. Uh, even as a former president of the United States. And, and they are um, looking for non-controversial, sweet things. You know, it's like something from Honest, mm-hmm. the new company. That, yes, that I company. saw Jessica Alba with the... Yes, with I mean, that's Starbucks. what they want. Yes. You don't want to put that next to a guy who's calling the Federal Reserve chief a clown or making fun of Janet Yellen, mm-hmm. you know, or, or just basically trashing people because it's fun. They don't like that. Clorox doesn't like that, David. Right, right. Proctor's not a fan. Uh, and so, in your opinion, nothing stops Facebook. Even from better. It's continued. It's even better. They can now Dominance say, in the uh, digital advertising. Oh, not at all. And the stock was down yesterday. That was probably a mistake. Well, I mean, a lot of technology stocks were down yesterday. Well, that was over. General. I mean, that was, look, we, we had the week before it was all the drug stocks that were down. And the week before it was the food stocks that were down. The week before it was the industrials that were down. It's called a rotation. Yeah. And it's not me. You know, what you have to do is you have to watch volleyball to understand them. You do. There is a sense as well that, I mean, if you watch some of the cryptos, it's like there are certain cohorts that are selling stocks and buying crypto. I sold half my my Ethereum yesterday, David, and I put that, That you know, I put some money down to own own a Hummer. Mm hmm. But you can't get a Hummer. No, I listen to Mary Barra. Right. And, and but I took my ethereum, half my Ethereum and said, why not buy a car instead of just Ethereum? How much crypto do you actually own? Enough to do the job. Really? What job is I that? listened to all these Novogratzes. He trashed his, his mother was very upset with him because he cursed on Twitter. Talk oh, about yeah. a platform. Not, where there's a lot of vitriol. Uh, well, I the mentions column, David, I looked at my mentions column. The first three were basically Wait, about you went back on mentions. I just wanted to see uh, after trashing Wall Street bets, man. whether these doge hands, whatever it is, the diamond people. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if I want a diamond, I'm going to go to what? 47th Street. What is it? Yes, 47th Street. Right, I don't need, I don't need diamond. them and their phony diamonds. You should just get rid of that mentions. I did. You were I much did. better off. Well, they took a, no, I did. I looked at it for one I second can't. to see how much they one hated me. All it and takes. it was great to see the hatred yeah, there's because I don't watch it otherwise. But back to your point, Facebook trying to actually eliminate that as much as well, it they can. Well, don't. Facebook wants to be the kinder, kinder, However, what would be side. interesting to see, and Julia brought this up, Carl, is you know how it will apply to other so-called leaders uh, and what the po- so-called? And what, well, yeah, so-called. That's a little judgmental. Well, I don't know how you judge. Who? How are they going well, to was judge? He not, was the president not well, a leader? No, he was. I'm or saying was he, a so-called he could be a leader of a political party, but not necessarily in control of the government, gotcha. for I'm example. Glad you is, that, that. is that is that also what they're talking about, Carl? I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll hear a lot more in terms of getting a sense for the, for the ruling, but it will be interesting to see how they, after this, make decisions about banning certain people from the platform. Well, how many people incited a riot, and, David? Carl? Like, not the, not well, the man, the, the, the anarchist who threw the, who threw the flyers out of the second court window calling for a resu- resurrection against Woodrow Wilson, which was the original case. The original case that was like what President Trump did. Got it. You're a proud boy in the end. Yeah. Excuse me? Sorry, I didn't mean that. What? I didn't mean that. that okay. 
You didn't mean it. Carl, uh, sometimes we're yeah, better journals, off getting to journals you Journals got a big piece this morning, guys, about the arcane rules that get users kicked off all the time. And, and obviously I don't have a, a sense of coherence, which is worth a read, given uh, the importance of this decision today. Julia Borson's got a little bit more uh, context around what just broke a few moments ago. J.B.? Yeah, Carl, earlier I mentioned that they said it was inappropriate for Facebook to make this an indefinite suspension. But what I want to make very clear here is the board pushed it back to Facebook and is giving Facebook six months to determine its final decision on Trump's account status. So it's important to note here that a lot of this is being pushed back to Facebook and that Facebook now has to decide if this is an ind- if this is going to be a permanent penalty or not. So there's another six month period, which is beginning now. So they say that they have to, Facebook must reexamine the arbitrary penalty. It must, be, and then this penalty must be based on the gravity of the violation. So now the oversight board is asking Facebook to make new rules based on the violations that the president, President Trump uh, had earlier this year. And they say that if Facebook decides to restore uh, Trump's accounts, then the company should apply its rules to that decision. So basically saying it is possible for Facebook to choose to restore the president's accounts in six months, but then they have to make this new set of rules to explain that. And just to um, address a question that that David just brought up here is um, about whether or not this is going to have big implications on political leaders. The board said it's not always useful to draw a firm distinction between political leaders and other influential users, saying that other users with large audiences can also contribute serious risks of harm. So I think they're going to be looking at um, the decisions going forward more in terms of the number of followers than whether someone um, is a political leader or not. Julia, uh, the president, putative leader of a party that is 50 percent of the country, uh, won't the GOP, uh, GOP people uh, just say this is an example of the kind of censorship that we've come to expect from the California? No? Look, I think that Facebook was going to be criticized no matter what, what, what way this decision came. And I think uh, I, I'm sure this is going to this is going to spark more more concern um, but from the GOP that Facebook it has an anti-conservative bias. Having said that, I think it's uh, sort of unfortunate in terms of resolving this issue that it's still not going to be resolved for another six months, um, not completely at least. So a, a lot of pressure on Facebook here to not only make rules but explain them. I think there had been hope that the Oversight Board would resolve a lot of these issues, uh, you know, by now, Jim. Thank you. Uh, well, that's going to take us to January 7th. Of, uh, of next year, I guess, um, uh, Julia. So a discussion we will have in the future. There's a lot more to get to this morning, of course. We'll get to the ADP number and what that might say about the jobs number on Friday. GM, of course, and their guidance and their outlook regarding the chip shortage for the rest of the year. Futures are uh, looking pretty good. And take a look at our guest lineup for the rest of the hour. Uh, UBS, Freeport, T-Mobile, there's a lot more to come. Don't go away. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? 
Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Following the Facebook Oversight Board decision, now a statement from Facebook. Julia's got that. Julia? That's right. Facebook's Nick Clegg, VP of Global Affairs and Communications, writing that they believe that their decision to suspend the president, President Trump, was necessary and right. They're pleased the board has recognized that we took that the unprecedented circumstances justified the measure we took. They note that the board has not required Facebook to immediately restore Trump's accounts, but it has not specified the appropriate duration appropriate duration of the penalty and saying acknowledging that the board criticized the open-ended nature of the suspension and insisted that we review our response. They say we will now consider the board's decision and determine an action that is clear and proportionate. In the meantime, Mr. Trump's accounts remain suspended. Uh, it's also acknowledging the board made recommendations on how to improve their policies and that they will carefully review those recommendations. Carl, back over to you. OK, uh, Julia, obviously this will develop further and we'll talk more about it this morning. In addition to everything else we've got on our plate on this uh, Wednesday, a lot more squawk in the street. Don't go anywhere. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, a little less than nine minutes before we get to an opening bell on what uh, Jim and I like to call hump day. Remember that? Do you remember what Mo Green created? Uh, Mo Green, yes, I do. What? Uh, he created Las Vegas. Right. It was just a stop for GIs on the way to California. Yeah. Well, let well me tell Bugsy you something. Siegel had something to do with it, too. Well, right? yes, Bugsy Well, that's the real character. Yes. Now, listen to this and listen close. Uh, Caesars reported Resi's up 20%. Okay. Now, you'd say, oh, well, so what? Last year was so easy, right? Everything was closed. No, David, it's up 20% over 2019. Vegas, you can't get rooms. David, a lot of people say that the weekends are sold through and they're opening up as if it's just going to be like the old days. David, you're not be able to go back. I know you probably want to go and catch an NFL game mm. if the Jets were playing. Mm. In, but you know what? Forget about it. Sold out. This it's is, amazing. Jim, it's a 10-bagger over the last year. 10-bagger. Yeah. I me- well, remember when I everyone mean, was thinking it was going to go you bankrupt. You were wrong if you sold it along the way. Well, right you there, know, we, right there we had written it off. Time, well, people thought it might go bankrupt. Right. Well, because the debt was ridiculous. Yeah. They're paying down debt. Yeah. But it's about, David, the return of people who want to congregate with other people. When people get vaccinated, 
they suddenly feel they're not necessarily invincible, but they want to go out in good time. Now, at what point, David, do we decide, OK, listen, if you're not vaccinated, we don't want you at the casino. I know everyone's kind of like un- they're all trip. You know, they're all kind of tiptoeing around. Right. I say I don't want my servers not vaccinated. I don't want my casino people not vaccinated. No, but I, it, but the people are just flocking to Vegas like never before, David. Now, some of it could be even it's so hard to go overseas. Don't see that too often. No. Some of it could be overseas. Yes. You, you can't go. Right. But forget about Vegas, baby. It's sold out for the weekends. It's back. It's back. It's bigger than ever. Although the convention business is not back. It just you wait. Business travel is not Just back. you. Oh, you keep pounding me and hounding me on that. I do. Didn't you listen I to do. Jamie Dimon yesterday? I did. He's sick of Zoom. He is. He's got Zoom sickness. <laughs> there's, so there's a lot of that going around. Yeah. Thankfully, you and I have not had to do a lot of Zoom. No. And you know the, this. The old-fashioned Zoom, which is right. called... And when Probably. you do Zoom, do you put your name, name up, David Faber, rather than look at yourself? And I, like, Ooh, I, I do, actually, yeah. I, but I've sometimes you somebody else's to computer, name. and so you're Yeah, I, I put my name up. I don't want to sit there and look at myself. Or you're, you're, so who knows who you are? I know. Yeah. I know. we got to go. We well, gotta we got to go, but Vegas, yeah. forget about it. All right. We'll forget about that, too. Forget about a lot of things you said. we got about uh, six minutes left coming up. This is the opening bell. I don't anticipate that inflation is going to be a problem, but it is something that we're watching very carefully. And um, if it does, if it if it is a problem, which I don't expect, um, there are certainly tools available to tackle it. All right. That's the Treasury Secretary from yesterday talking at that uh, conference, Jim. A lot of discussion uh, on the one side. People say she should have known better than to talk about rates. Powell certainly doesn't talk about the dollar. On the other hand, people say, look, what she said is what we talk about all the time. And why shouldn't you be able to talk to the market like an adult? Well, I think she can uh, certainly talk about higher prices. I didn't think she had to talk about higher rates. I thought that was out of school. Suddenly have a quarterback controversy in Washington. That's wrong. Uh, Janet Yellen may remind you in December of 2015, raised rates, uh, predicting that it, it, she had to do it because they head off inflation. She caused basically a crash in commodities. It was a completely ill-advised move by her. And I think throughout this period, I, I think she's like to pressure Jay Powell to forget his goal of trying to get minorities to be enfranchised instead of disenfranchised because they've not been able to come back and get jobs. So I am a total uh, Powell aficionado. And I think that Janet Yellen was off the reservation. I'm glad she got back on the reservation by the end of the day. David. What's what's off the reservation saying that they have tools to handle inflation if it happens? I, I think that uh, off the reservation is, is is to say that you may even need to raise them when she walked that back. I mean, you don't need to do everybody knows they do that. But the problem is, is that her words are powerful. And she was a former Fed chief and she showed an ill advised use uh, or abuse of her Treasury power. Right. And that's why she had to walk it back. She's in a unique position. There's never been a Treasury Secretary who's actually held the role of Fed chair. Yeah, but she ain't no Hamilton. No. No. She has a lot of bearing. Yes. But she should not get in the way of Jay Powell. And she did. And she should have known better. It's okay. These people are not above criticism. They're not. They're not. Okay. And, uh, And she very well may now. Have realized that. I think she she put anybody who puts undue pressure on Jay Powell, who's already facing a lot. By the of pressure, way, there was an enormous amount of pressure during the last administration on him from the president. I think all that, the time I think that, on Twitter, um, right? 
Not as much from Secretary Mnuchin, who, by the way, was behind, uh, certainly one of the people behind his original appointment Absolutely. to the job. Um, and typically, Treasury secretaries, I mean, they don't comment on the dollar and they often didn't comment on rates. Right. I think that her words, uh, I think that she's well, a seasoned pro to know that, that that puts pressure on Powell. Yeah. And uh, Jay Powell does not need that right now. He's fighting for equality. Yeah. It sure beats uh, being called a bonehead, as, uh, as David oh, said. Oh, yes. What, what the mean, president called him. Yeah, President Trump was um, uniquely, uh, uniquely arbitrary and capricious in the way he trashed people. Uh, and I don't know. I think America got sick of that. Or at least half of them. I've got good news on chips. Uh, Jim Farley talked to us about uh, the Renezas uh, Japanese plant coming back. That's important. Oh, honest, Carl. We are going to get to... We are going to get to uh, chips. There is honest yet, Jim, uh, at the NY, at the NASDAQ celebrating its IPO. Founder uh, Jessica Alba, uh, CEO Nick Laus doing the honors. They were on Squawk earlier today at the big board. It's uh, Pacer Financial highlighting its uh, ETF. Um, what do we think about honest, Jim? Uh, Leslie talked about uh, the valuation here, the implied valuation down from some prior rounds, and they did price in the middle of the range. Uh, I think that uh, I'd like to see a reasonable, not hot, interesting IPO. Now, Carl, uh, I am um, a client of Endeavor. I want to put that out right before I start. But that was another deal, which was uh, priced kind of uh, okay, got you in, and then it's been roaring. And again, I'm going to say I am a client. But maybe this is a new way. Maybe Wall Street has the brokers have gotten smart and are pricing things so that they're not outrageous. Uh, and also, we've not had an endless uh, number of SPACs. No, no. Uh, the SPAC uh, spigot has dried up uh, in part because, of course, as we've discussed many times, the SEC is taking a close look at any number of different things associated right. with the issuance of SPACs, whether it's uh, the pipes, whether it's the relationship between SPAC sponsors, pipe investors and other deals, uh, whether it's projections that right. we've talked about so often. But that does lead me, guys, to to reports this morning that I can confirm and want to go into a little bit more about a potential SPAC deal that's out there. Another one from Chamath Palahapatia. Oh, really? Uh, who has been, uh, of course, one of the most active when it comes to doing um, issuing SPACs and yeah. doing deals. This one involving Equinox. Uh, I think Bloomberg reported it late yesterday. I can confirm as well uh, his um, uh, his SPAC is in talks with uh, with Equinox to to potentially do a merger. Uh, those talks continue. I can give you a little more sense. You can see it right there of what they're talking about in terms of value. And it's pretty significant. Of course, Equinox's business has been crushed, as you crushed. know, during the course of the pandemic. Also, SoulCycle, uh, which they have as well. Uh, they were targeting as much as 22 times, Jim, EBITDA that they were seeing uh, in 2023, of $320 million. So they were looking for 2023 EBITDA, $320 million, and saying, hey, we think we're worth 22 times that. That does get you above a $7 billion value overall. And they need money. They've got a what uh, at least some one person characterized as a pretty funky capital structure with mez debt, with liens. They got some original investors who may want to try and get out, Silver Lake, Catterton. Uh, and so they were looking for a pipe that could go as high as two billion. Is that called PTB? Two that, billion. Is the symbol for that PTB? No, it's IPOF. Let's oh, take no, a look. Oh, no, PTB is PT Barnum. Oh, oh, man. Can we take a look at IPOF? Actually, let's see, because that is, that is the SPAC in question. And you kind of get a market check, as we like to say here, right. when you look at that. Um, this was shopped 
uh, to a number of other, I know, to a number of other potential uh, to SPAC sponsors who passed, obviously, on the potential transaction itself. Again, unclear whether they get to the finish line here. Be a big deal. That's Steve Ross, remember, right. of Related. Miami Dolphins, also Equinox, right. is a part of that. We have the CEO on of Equinox with us from time to time. But again, what I can tell you there uh, is they were looking for 22 times, 2023 estimated EBITDA of 320 mil, and a pipe of as much, at least at the time of two bill and a number of uh, SPAC sponsors, Carl, passed. So we'll see what happens here uh, with that. SPAC down about 2.6%. Is there any shame in this process? What do you mean? Well, that's just a terrible deal. You think I mean, it's a terrible it could be deal. like Caesars. It maybe it resurrects like maybe Caesars. Maybe it comes back. Right. right. Maybe it resurrects like Caesars. Everybody health clubs. People like their soul cycle. They don't necessarily keep using well, their Peloton at home. Look, it's one. Of, I think Peloton, by the way, is going to report a fantastic quarter. You do? Yeah. But one of the things I just, I just wish these deals were priced at reasonable values. Because they got a lot of, David, a lot of people have lost money in SPACs. And I think someone has to stand up for the people other than Gensler. This, the SEC head. Well, Why? we don't want people to lose fortunes, David. Listen, we talked a lot about it every day. OK, we talked right. about the speculative nature of many of them. We talked about the prognostications and the projections that you would not typically see associated right. with an IPO because they're not allowed to do that in an IPO. And there is a thought that, of course, really, these are IPOs. They're not mergers, as we call them. Right. They're just IPOs. But so I, they I, should I, be treated as such. And one would expect that it's in time you're not going to be able to see these companies put these Ridiculous projections out for 2026 for what they're right. flying. But I've had any number of these companies on Mad Money, and I don't think a single one of them is up when they were on. And a lot of people have lost you showed, money. I mean, listen, Palapahapatia, you know, is, he's still hanging in there. Virgin Galactic's done pretty well. He sold a lot of the stock there. A oh. number of his have, have hung in there. At least they're up, right? Take a look at... Uh, but where did the volume come right? from? Open Door is, is still higher. Clover has not been a good performer. And then he's got a couple of open ones, including the one we just Well, they can about. always point to good things. I'm saying when they came on TV, it was just a great moment to sell. There. Okay. Yeah. And now, you, Carl, you've got a lot of public companies out there that have already de And, you know, we'll be watching them closely. Uh, indeed, guys. Uh, of course, we got to keep our eye on uh, Kathy Wood's ARC fund, which I think, Jim, down 9% for the year, is at the bottom 100th percentile of mid-cap growth funds uh, as, that we track. Uh, so with, when your top holdings are Tesla and Teladoc, um, I guess, what do you expect? Well, I mean, if you look at what she's been buying of late, I get that report at seven. I mean, it's every single one of these little companies that are being crushed and what she's selling are all the kind of know, steady as she goes. But remember, she regards them as cash equivalents. She's I would say she's unique. That's is that you being nice? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You're- Jim, I get it does sort of remind me what what do you do with a Zoom or a T-Doc at this point, especially given some of the comments from Jamie Dimon and even Zoom's uh, CEO, at this journal summit talking about Zoom fatigue? Zoom has to reinvent. They have to come up with more products. They're a one-product company. That's not healthy. Teladoc has more competition than I have. It's almost as if it was a heat-seeking missile. And so many companies are in the Teladoc business all of a sudden that you can pit them against each other and get better prices. They're losing some customers. But I think it's up to Eric Yuan to take, to create Zoom 2, which is a an a, a, a extension of the franchise. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what they have to do. They have to come up with something else. 
I mean, look at Peloton. I know that they came up with the treadmill and there's some issues. Right. But I appreciate the fact that Peloton's thinking we've got to be bigger than this. It's time for Zoom to be bigger. And it will be. I mean, we've made the point many times. What will Zoom look like and or any number of these other services right. in a few years? I mean, you'll have like a holodeck kind of thing where you'd be able what? to almost reach out and say oh. hello to the person. But they really yeah, like a simulation like you like a simulation like Elon Musk said that you are. Well, no, I, or I might be. I'm simulating the drop from 900 to 680. Yeah. That see the stocks come down. Tesla. Yes. I'm see, aware. Carl, I'm, I, I am here to remind people that there's been a huge amount of money lost it in has. the last in the last, let's say, I don't know, 40 days. By the way, and I mean, we have to recognize that some oh, of the some of the creators of the product that's lost a lot of money were able to sell a lot. They were. They were. And, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Some of the cloud names, too. I mean, ServiceNow, somebody's pointing out to me yesterday. I mean, we had Bill names, McDermott. Right? Yeah. I didn't think that quarter was that bad. but No, but that stock has been hit. You, here's nuance. Why, do, why is that up there, you may ask? I don't well, know. I'll tell you. They put the proxy out. Remember, Microsoft's buying the company, of course. It's, uh, what is it, 56 bucks a share in cash. Remember, this deal was announced back on April 12th. But we got the proxy. And, guys, it did have something interesting in it that's worth le- oh, it's at least worth noting. I'm not saying that it's going to lead to anything, but, you know, you get the background of the transaction. You find out typically uh, in that whether they've talked to any other companies, was there other interest from other companies. And it does appear uh, that uh, Amazon was interested. Really? At one point. Yeah. Uh, l- let me read it to you. You, you can take it. mean, like Alexa? For Alexa? No, for, for this business. On February 25th, 2020, a representative of a leading Cloud technology and e-commerce company. Hmm. wonder who that could be, right? Uh, which we refer to as Party D, conveyed interest in meeting with senior leadership of Nuance to explore a potential strategic partnership in healthcare or to a potential acquisition. Nuance and Party D scheduled a meeting for April 9th of last year. And, of course, it was canceled due to uh, the uh, COVID pandemic. And Party D didn't seek to re-engage. And... Nuance, apparently, when it had the Microsoft deal, didn't necessarily reach out to Party D and see if they were interested. But the prices were largely considered to be too high by a lot of people. Too high or too low? No, no. The people th- some people feel that Microsoft overpaid. I know, but others feel as, feel as though that as a public company with its future where it is, that Nuance actually would. I thought it was a steal because it's, tro- it's a Trojan horse to get into Cerner, not that great a quarter, I felt, right. and to Epic, the private company that no one's been able to uh, crack. This in no way means that we're going to see Amazon making. And by the way, the regulatory on that could be tougher right. even than it is for Microsoft. Not saying it is going to be necessarily that tough. But it's interesting just to note that Amazon certainly seems they want to be. To be and I'm guessing it's Amazon based on that description and also based on some conversations I've had with people who would potentially be in a position to know. So that was interesting. Well, they want to be in healthcare. They've made forays right. into healthcare and they've not been all that successful yet. No, but they also potentially could choose, if Nuance were to have stayed a public company, to have competed with them, right? Yes. And that could not, <laughs> that might have point. been a bad thing. Uh, Carl, do you use Alexa? No. Alexa listens. I? I think Alexa listens to a lot of things I have to say, and I turn off Alexa now if I have a conversation that I think could include I don't know anything personal. That's probably paranoid, but <laughs> Alexa's been way too smart. When I come home, Alexa puts on the music that I see, that she thinks I like. I the other day called Siri Alexa by mistake. Uh oh. And she said it's okay. Really, Alexa was not unhappy. She was very no, no. Siri was not unhappy. I think Alexa would be grumpy. Oh, okay, got it. Carl, back to you. Um, all right. 
Uh, guys, um, a lot to watch here, uh, including uh, this uh, historic news, Rick Santelli, about open outcry at the CME, at least in most of the pits, going away. That's the end of an era. Yes, it's the end of an era, and all right, Carl. You know, I, I first stepped in the pits of the CME in January of 1979, and pits were the center of action. It was like Haymarket riot, but it was organized, and the pits in Chicago became legendary. Uh, so many visitors from every country on the planet. I remember Chinese delegations, Japanese delegations, all trying to study the model of Chicago pits. And yes, it is the end of an era, although... The Eurodollar options, that's a short rate similar to a T-bill rate, will remain open. Uh, but, of course, the Treasury options uh, go the way of foreign exchange options and futures trading that left the pits uh, several years ago. It really is the end of an era. Now, in terms of the market today, we all saw the refunding announcement. And even though the news is being focused, is it's no different in size. $126 billion package of threes, tens, and thirties from the Fed refunding. I say, look at a refunding prior to COVID. So I went back to the February 2019 refunding. That was $84 billion. The current package is $126 billion. So these are big numbers. Look at intraday of 10s. You could see it spiked when the announcement hit. Didn't do much for the uh, lackluster ADP number. Two week of 10s show that the 160 pivots taken a bite out. Lost a little momentum. Looks like yields are more apt to drift lower. Finally, if you look at a uh, one week of boons, you can see that their high water mark is minus 16. Finally, two-day dollar index looks kind of rangish. If you open the chart up, 91 is the pivot. You want to stay above that. Uh, many believe we're going to continue to trade soft on dollar index. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. When we come back, the CEO of UBS, his first U.S. television interview since taking the top job at the bank as the NASDAQ bounces a bit here, up 74. Don't go away. UBS, out with earnings last week, it did disclose a $774 million loss. That was related to, of course, fallout from the failure of Archegos. This, as its new CEO, embarks on a tech-led transformation of what is the world's largest wealth manager. Joining me now in his first U.S. interview since becoming CEO of UBS is Ralph Hammers. Good to have you this morning, uh, Ralph. And, uh, you know, let, let's, you've t talked a lot about Archegos, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But one quick question here to start. You talk about improved risk controls on the conference call. What specifically are you doing to improve risk controls at the prime brokerage at UBS? Yeah, good morning, David, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, well, clearly, you know, if you look at the first quarter, uh, we first focused on keeping a very strong uh, momentum there and being laser-focused on our clients, and that actually produced quite a good result even after this loss, right? So uh, our uh, profit before tax was up 14% uh, to $2.3 billion. Uh, but it didn't. It, it did include a, uh, a loss uh, on Archegos uh, in the amount of 774. Now, clearly, we're disappointed at that, um, and we're taking it very seriously. And as I have been telling and updating the analysts and also our shareholders as to what we're doing here, we're really reviewing different processes as to you know uh, what worked well, what didn't work well. Clearly, you know, some mistakes have been made in terms of you know processes did not uh, work the way they should have worked. So. I think the, the first analysis here is, is a combination of a lack of transparency as to what was the, the true position of your counterpart, you know, beyond what you do with the, as a bank with that counterpart. 
And then on the other side, uh, the, the clearly uh, concentrated position that the counterpart was taking, as a consequence of which, you know, the execution of your position uh, will lead to a, uh, well, a massive flow to the market. And with that, you saw the, the, the prices dropping of some of the long holds. Yeah. Uh, and of course, some of what you're discussing may also rely on regulators sort of changing some of the rules and increasing transparency in that swaps market. Um, Ralph, you spent a lot of time on the conference call as well talking about sort of your strategic view for the company in the future. And a lot of that related to technology, uh, almost a tech driven reimagining. You say the first step in how we deliver the client experience relies on technology. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that I think everybody recognizes that, that, you know, for certainly a decade already, uh, technology has become increasingly important for every industry, uh, but truly disruptive for many industries. And I think the financial industry has been a little bit you know, uh, slow in that and picking up the importance of technology, although there's a couple of players that are truly leading this uh, as, as, as you know, incumbents. Um, but there's so many new different players that show us the, the way and lead us the way that you know you gotta have uh, gotta embrace technology and make it part of your DNA. So basically what I'm saying here is that where banks would normally focus on okay, so how can we cater for our clients, how can we service our client, how can we deliver best advice, which all stays the same, right? It's just about the delivery and delivery front to back, the redesign of your client journey in terms of the delivery of some of the product and some of the services. You've got to really do that with technology in mind from the start and not thinking that, OK, let's let's leave that over to let's leave that to the technology guys. No, no, it's got to be run by the commercial guys who truly know what clients want. And, uh, and that is the important change in my view. All right. Now, there was some criticism. I think I'm reading a report from Andrew Coombs. He's a bank analyst with Citigroup who said, listen, you, you know, your, your presentation was full of buzzwords, but lacked detail and seemed to indicate any changes will only be around the edges rather than any big strategic shift. How do you respond to that criticism? Well, uh, look at the core strategy of, uh, of UBS. We are the world's global uh, wealth manager. Uh, and so, therefore, our core strategy is being an asset gatherer, a wealth gatherer, and managing that uh, on behalf of our clients and, and the capabilities that we need in order to support that and, and do that really well. And there's nothing wrong with that direction. So to the extent people thought that we were going to change direction, there's nothing wrong with that direction because the, the, the wealth growth in the world continues. Uh, and I think the big change that we've made to the strategy, though, is that we have said, well, in that wealth growth, uh, if you look at the underlying trends, there's two big pools in the world. The U.S. pool, where we are a big player, and that's really strategic to us. And the Asian pool is already a big pool, and it will grow even faster. So these are already big pools, and they will grow fast. That's the trend that we are going to bank. And the underlying trends there uh, that you have to be much more precise in is the ones that have to do with entrepreneurial wealth as a growth factor, ESG as a theme for investing, as well as the um, uh, the, uh, the the core element of, uh, of, of, of China as a, basically a, a, a market that is really in need of some of the wealth products uh, that we would deem as normal, but still have to be introduced there. So there is really some true, true opportunities there that, uh, that we're focusing right. on. And it's really that focus. So it's not so much a change of direction, but it's really a true focus as to where we, uh, where we put our resources. That is, that is the difference. Um, 
Ralph, you know, your competitor in, this, in Switzerland, so to speak, the other large bank, uh, Credit Suisse, uh, took it a lot harder than you guys did when it came to Archegos. In fact, raising some questions about its overall business model. Is it ever a ma- uh, something you could imagine where Swiss regulators would encourage UBS and CS to get together? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I think what you see with UBS is that uh, we're a strong bank. Uh, we, we do display Swissness from that perspective in terms of, you know, being reliable, trust, uh, 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 and, and predictable. Uh, I think those are core components for, for wealthy clients to be able to bank on. In the first quarter, on the back of the good results, we have been able to e- even further improve our core tier one ratio, so our basic right. core capital that we, that we hold in order to ensure that, uh, that clients can really rely on us. I think that's the important factor and for us. The organic growth uh, direction and the organic growth ro- uh, uh, direction is the one that we prefer. Ralph, I'm afraid we're on, uh, out of time, uh, but certainly look forward to uh, having and continuing this conversation. Appreciate your joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Got some moderate gains here at the open. Pretty narrow range. Energy up 2%, but for the uh, overall markets, S&P's up 15. We're back in a moment. Jim, uh, we tried to cover as much as we could. You got a lot more tonight. Right. Uh, you have Freeport coming on. Well, the old uh, Phelps Dodge is now Pager Duty, PD, uh, which is a tech company. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, everybody wants to know whether they're going to make it. Obviously, they are. The balance sheet's fixed. And then new on the block, train, which has just been a horse and a train. So continuing our just endless look at companies that people care about and making a lot of money. And I think that's our job. Because after being yeah, burned like by every so. SPAC. Uh, not everyone. Every SPAC. Not everyone. <laughs> what, find me a SPAC that went up after it came on the show. Well, there, there are ones that, are, that are, have strong businesses. There are. There are. But you need to be selective. Well, that's great. Very selective. Yeah. There's, I had O's the Mentalist at our restaurant last night. Carl, he got some things right. More than SPACs. <laughs> I should have asked him. I'm thinking of a SPAC that's not lost money, but he wouldn't be able to find it. Uh, Jim, by the way, happy Cinco de Mayo. We'll see you tonight. Yeah, Cinco de Mayo. 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.